Hi, and welcome to Shadow Talk's weekly intelligence summary track, where our team of analysts dive into the top threat intelligence stories each week. To read their full findings and analysis, make sure to visit resources.digitalshadows.com. Now here's your host, Harrison Van Riper. Hey everyone, I just wanted to drop a quick note here before the episode. Uh, there's a slight audio clicking throughout the episode that was just kind of a recording error. Uh, can't really take it out for this week, but next week it will be all sorted, so please just bear with it. Um, it sh- it's not too terrible, but it might be noticeable. Thanks. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Shadow Talk, weekly intelligence summary. Uh, with me this week, I've got Rose Bernard. Rose, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Pretty good. My voice is a little croaky, as you as you pointed out, but that you know, it's I'm not sick again, as I've been sick the last couple times we've been here, but feel good this week. We've also got uh, Jamie Collier sitting in there with you, Rose. Jamie, how are you doing? Very good. Very excited to be on Shadow Talk. Awesome. Yeah, so Jamie's uh, on the strategic intelligence team. He's an analyst um, on Rose's team. And then sitting next to me, I've got Alex Giraku back with me again. Yet again. Yet again. Uh, he's also a strategic intel analyst. How are you doing? Good. It's good to be back for the third time now in the row. Yeah. You sound so enthusiastic about it. <laughs> <laughs> I need your energy, Alex. I need it. <laughs> um, so yeah, so this week uh, I was in New York and that's why my voice is a little bit croaky. It's been a, it's been a fun week, but um, but yeah, so we're back again for another another intel summary. So let's just jump right into it. So, Rose, why don't you kick off what the main story of this week is? So the main story this week is about uh, potentially the biggest data dump that has been reported to have been leaked online. It's called Collection Number One, which is a title I really, really enjoy because it makes me think that in kind of six months we'll be sitting here being like, oh, yes, Collection Five, which harks back and shares tendencies to this artist's earlier work, Collection Number Two. Um, but is in fact a data set which contains about 770 million email addresses and passwords, uh, all sold for the very, very affordable price of $45. Oh. Now, yeah, I know, right? Very affordable. <laughs> so we did some primary analysis on the bits of this breach that we could download, and it does look like it's probably a collation of older breaches all merged together to create one larger data dump um, and that has a number of kind of consequences for its value as well as really holding up a mirror quite interestingly to our industry because it essentially allows us to say well okay this is a really big dump it's actually quite old all of these things are out there so actually their resale value is, is not that great and it's because they're quite old there's the chance that Passwords will probably have been changed. People will have been alerted. It does have some value. So it's going to be used for things like, you know, credential stuffing attacks, uh, account takeovers, which don't necessarily need to be high profile, spam campaigns, phishing attacks, kind of this new sextortion ransomware campaign that we're seeing. So it, it does have some value and it is absolutely massive. So I think I said 770 million email addresses, but actually the whole, the, the amount of records were about 2.7 billion. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really big. And then thinking about all of these things, so thinking about the fact that it's really huge, the fact that it's historic, thinking about this in terms of its actual value allows us to really analyze our own reactions to it as a security industry and look at the way that this has captured the imagination 
So because it's so huge, it is a really, really interesting uh, article. It got lots of publicity. You know, we're, we're sitting here talking about it. So it, it's clearly quite interesting. But it's also, yeah, actually not that impactful. Yes, it's big. Yes, it's a lot of things. But it is a collation of data dumps. These things are already out there. It, it's, you know, it's that kind of media and reputational impact. And then it allows us to think, well, are we now saying that the reputational impact of these breaches is equivalent to the actual impact of, you know, a, a data infiltration or a new data theft attack? Right. Yeah, I think I think the, the credential stuffing point is what really jumps out to me. I think, you know, these huge data sets um, are not you know, you're not going to be pulling out specific things uh, or, or, you know, small little bits of it. You're going to be using it in a more automated way. And so that's where I would think that credential stuffing would come in. You'd, you'd also think just with all these different uh, repositories kind of linked together through Collection Wanted, it's actually more than anything, just a point of convenience for threat actors, because rather than having to find all these different databases, uh, mm. someone taking the effort to kind of put them together uh, then just helps them out. But I think you're certainly right that the kind of media is really driven often by the numbers um, when that's not necessarily the best kind of indicator mm. of a serious breach. Um, you know, you could have a data breach targeting a very specific organization uh, that could be used on follow, following on kind of espionage campaigns, mm. for example, used for kind of spear phishing in a very targeted way. Um, I think, yeah, as you said, Harrison, this is going to be much more kind of automatic, automated. What's that ship thing? Uh, the thought, there's a thought experiment, thought experiment, ship of Theseus. And it is the thought experiment that if you have a ship and you replace parts of it every time on time again, and you eventually get to the part where all of the parts are new, is it a new ship or is it the old ship? And I think that that's almost what we're looking at here because we have a collection which is being packaged and reported as a new collection, but it's made up of all of these other bits and pieces that are out there. And we have to look at the value of all of these other bits and pieces uh, versus the power of them all together in these credential stuffing attacks versus the power that we, by reporting on it, are giving to it. Right. There's kind of a responsibility as as well, because you know you see these huge numbers, those are going to be picked up, like you said, by media sources as buzzwords. They're going to get hits, they're going to get views. But then when you actually look at it, it's also very, very important for these uh, these industries, these media outlets to understand that, right, while it is a big, big set of data, if you look at it on a smaller scale, you know, it's it's not as impactful as if, if it were one specific um, source that was breached for this amount of records. Right. And I believe it was 18% of the kind of details weren't included in previous breaches and probably talk so much about overall numbers and not enough about thinking what is the, the new kind of pieces of information there that could be exploited on a kind of standalone basis. Mm -hmm. Right. When activists did this, we laughed at them. We were like, these people are collating data and it just demonstrates how little capability they have. So the idea that we are, although it's a much bigger scale, and I accept that, but the idea that we're now like, look at this massive threat from this data when it's essentially the same thing is reflective more on us than it is on them. It's casting the widest net possible, right. I think, is, uh, is the main point for them. And that's an easy thing to do. Mm -hmm. All right. So then moving forward, what else do we have on this week? Uh, Alex, do you want to jump into one of them? Yeah, so one of the ones that we saw this week was some action taken by the Facebook platform. So both on Instagram and Facebook, um, the company removed over 500 pages, um, different accounts that were associated with uh, public influence campaigns. 
And so we've seen this kind of activity before from social media companies, Facebook being one of them a couple of months ago, where they similarly removed some of these accounts that were associated with um, things such as anti-Western, anti-NATO sentiments and trying to influence uh, specific political events that are up and coming. So Twitter has also done sim taken similar action. They re they've removed these botnets linked accounts that were promoting specific um, influence campaigns. And I think that this kind of activity is likely to continue, especially as we go in into 2019, where there's some major elections or upcoming political events like, you know, the ongoing Brexit negotiations or the U.S. presidential election cycle, which is going to start fairly soon. Um, and it's very important for these kinds of um, social media sites to take responsibility to make sure that their users aren't being exploited for this kind of activity. What this also shows, I think, is that these uh, technology firms are taking a more proactive kind of rather than reactive uh, approach. I think they've probably kind of got found out, uh, maybe didn't kind of anticipate previous disinformation campaigns. But I think kind of going back to the, the uh, collection one breach, uh, just as the kind of media there kind of potentially uh, obsess over the numbers, uh, I think there's a a danger that we obsess over Russia when it comes to these influence corporations. Um, we're, all, we're also seeing kind of political opponents get involved in these now, uh, potentially other states that, you know, we've seen kind of limited Iranian uh, activity on these as well. So I would imagine that the amount of kind of different actors that are involved in these uh, sort of campaigns is going to proliferate into 2019. Peeps be cray enough on their own without having Russia to get involved. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. I think I think that's a, that's actually an interesting point that you bring up, Jamie. I think the way that it was perceived during the U.S. presidential election that, you know, Russia had this influence. I think a lot of people took notice of that, obviously, and they're kind of trying to copy that, uh, copy that uh, technique. And also it's kind of difficult to measure the full impact of these kinds of campaigns because one of the most important things is the organic uh, nature of this, right? Because one piece of information can be put out, right? But then the people that interact with this kind of... Sharing it, retweeting exactly. it, yeah. Yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole network. And it grows right? on, its, on its own. Right, right. All right, so then why don't we talk about the APT group uh, utilizes Google Drive API. Can Rose or Jamie, do you all want to take that? Uh, sure. So it's uh, and the, the kind of threat actor, Doc Hydrus, uh, in a kind of campaign called Lazy Meerkat was using a rogue robin uh, trojan, so kind of all the kind of complicated buzzwords in there. Lazy uh, Meerkat. <laughs> But what was interesting is uh, they were using DNS tunneling um, to kind of establish uh, communication with a command and control server, kind of quite a traditional, uh, well-known technique. Um, but then they also had a backup using a, the Google Drive uh, API. Um, not quite sure exactly how this was used. Uh, it might, might be early days, so potentially uh, using testing. But um, interesting kind of new uh, way of communicating with a command and control server might kind of see this uh, increasingly in the future. All right. Well, that sounds really cool. Um... What about the last story of the week, either Rose or Alex? I'll leave it, I'll leave it up to y'all to fight it out. So the last story involves the Rock threat group, which has been observed um, uninstalling cloud security protection products. And the point of this was to distribute cryptocurrency mining software. So, so over 2018, there was a huge, huge burst of interest in cryptocurrency, both due to spikes in value as well as increased media coverage. And so, of course, threat actors have begun to take advantage of this. So what was interesting about this specific incident was that this tactic hasn't been seen previously, as far as we're aware of. So by killing these products, instead of completely removing them, these threat actors are more able to get around traditional uh, mitigation techniques. 
I think one thing that's interesting is there's been a lot of discussion in the past about if you've got that level of access to be able to kind of install a crypto miner, if it's actually the most profitable uh, kind of activity for a cyber criminal uh, to use. So, you know, going forward, we've seen this uh, kind of technique being used now in terms of installing cryptocurrency miners and uh, mitigating the kind of detection point, but might see it in other kind of campaigns as well. Right. It's probably more profitable to extort users for cryptocurrency rather than wasting resources on mining, which which can be very inefficient. Right. Mm. Right. Mining obviously requires a lot of hashing power and yeah, yep. it's a lot, it's a lot more uh, resource intensive. Right. And you're going to have to infect a lot of machines in order to get any kind of significant outcome from those campaigns. Mm. Cool. Um, all right. Well, then let's touch on what we think uh, moving forward in the next. I guess week, two weeks. What do we think about that? Uh, well, we've got a couple of activist flashpoints coming up. So we've had uh, the initiation of Op Zimbabwe, <clears throat> which is in support of physical protests in the country. So we've had some sporadic claims of responsibility for denial of service attacks, but they are largely from domestic anonymous collective associated actors. Uh, participation levels are relatively low. But the thing about anonymous campaigns is all you need the right person, all you need is the right person to pick up on them and they blow up. So it, it's always quite touch and go with them. It could filter away into nothing and go the same way as a lot of other operations that have happened over the past three years, or it could become the next op Catalonia. And there's really no way of, of identifying which is going to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, that being said, if it does happen, we're looking at website defacement, we're looking at DDoS. It's not particularly breaking news, but it is endemic and it is persistent. I mean, and speaking of persistent, the other flashpoint that's coming up is we have Holocaust Memorial Day, which I think this year is occurring on the 27th of January. Um, and Op Israel is one of the biggest anonymous campaigns targeting kind of Israeli companies and web, uh, websites, government, defense indiscriminately. So that is a persistent campaign because that's been going for, what, five years? Longer? I, you know, I still think it was 2012 yesterday. So an amount <laughs> of time. And these, these hacktivist campaigns traditionally rally around significant dates. Um, as we've seen with Op Catalonia, you know, the date of the referendum has seen significant activity, you know, around those days um, every single year. That is going to do it for us this week. Um, go visit us at resources.digitalshadows.com to download the full intelligence summary. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Digital Shadows and use the hashtag Shadow Talk to submit a question. Uh, I have a really brief question this week, and it's and none of, nobody knows what it is yet, so um, I just thought of it. If... You could. I don't like surprises. Do what? (laughs) I don't like surprises. Oh well, you're gonna get one. (laughs) So, So, if you could have one technology in addition to threat intelligence for a security team, what would it be? Teleportation. (laughs) Why teleportation? I don't know. It just sounds cool. Yeah. But how would how that be useful or real? You didn't say I had to be like it had to be useful. You just said what would I have? Well, I mean that that was the rules of the question, so I guess you abided by it. (laughs) In principle, (laughs) if not in practice. (laughs) Alex, 
I guess unlimited human resources would be pretty useful, don't you think? Unlimited human resources would be very useful. <laughs> and it fits the question, so. Savage. <laughs> All right, Jamie. What I'm going to go got? for both AI and blockchain so I can talk only in buzzwords. <laughs> oh, perfect. Everyone will invest in your security company at that point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, that was just a quick one for this week. Again, go visit us at resources.digitalshadows.com. Talk to everybody next week.